Okay, what we took primarily from Justin Martyr was gray hair. It was learning from the aged. God used an aged old man. What was his name that pointed Justin Martyr to Christ? We don't know. And that's significant. How many unknown great men and women will be in heaven one day that we don't know about? And he learned from him. Let's learn from him as well. Now we're going to skip over some giants, and we're going to come to Cyprian. And what we want to learn primarily from, uh, from Cyprian is the idea of perseverance. Perseverance, the idea of perseverance. You know, dying for one's faith is a decision that every Christian may face one day. In many countries in the world today, martyrdom is rare. We read about Fox's Book of Martyrs, and we have this idea that all of that took place somewhere long ago in another place. We read in Fox's book, Recently, that perhaps over half of all the Christians that have ever been killed for their faith have happened recently. Primarily because the population of the world is so high today. You think about the places like North Korea or China or Indonesia or India, those who are martyred for their faith. In the early church, The Christians not only were willing to die for Christ, they expected to die for Christ. Cyprian of Carthage was one of the African fathers. And he is considered the greatest bishop of the third century. He's considered an African father because he was born in the North African city of Carthage around 200 AD. Just three years after his birth came the most famous martyrdom of that time. The Roman emperor accused five new converts of believing in Christianity. And some of those five converts were teenagers. Among them were two young ladies named Perpetua and Felicitas. Now I'm telling you about these people right now. We're just stepping away from Cyprian for for a moment because I want you to know what's happening when Cyprian enters this world. Perpetua's father insisted That she save her life by renouncing her faith. Perpetua said she could not. In fact she said just as her name must stay the same. For it was given to her. So also her faith must stay the same. For that too was given to her. 
Well, the soldiers arrested Felicitas as well. And at that time, she was pregnant. After giving birth to a girl, another Christian woman adopted her. And then the jailers swept her away. And as they took her away, they asked how she could face the beasts in the arena after crying out during childbirth. We heard you wailing as you gave birth to your child. How can you expect to stand against the lions? She answered this way. She said, now my sufferings are only mine. But when I face the beasts, there will be another who will live in me and will suffer for me since I shall be suffering for him. Well, the three men died first, the last one being killed by a leopard. A wild cow then charged Perpetua and Felicitas. The name Felicitas means happy. And as they stood bleeding in the center of the arena, the soldiers finally killed them with a sword. And it was at that moment that Felicitas became as happy as she had ever been. Well, this is the world in which Cyprian was born. His parents were pagan, as were the parents of Justin Martyr. And they were rich, as were the parents of Justin Martyr. And so they sent their son in the same way to the best schools of the day. Let's be thankful for Christian parents, and let's... Let's keep in mind that uh, the best schools of the day not be overemphasized. Well, he became a famous lawyer, and he became a, a professor of rhetoric. Rhetoric simply means the art of public speaking. He was a good speaker. But he grew tired of the corruption and immorality in his society, and very much like Justin, he began searching for the truth. Cyprian later wrote, quote, While I languished in darkness and deep night, tossing upon the sea of a troubled world, ignorant of my destination and far from truth and light, I thought it a difficult and hard thing that a man could be born again. Well, a pastor living in Cyprian's home presented to him the gospel and urged him to read the Bible. And around 46 years old, Cyprian was born again. And the change began almost immediately. He left his life of worldly pleasures, he sold his possessions, he gave them to the poor, and he opened his home to everyone and helped the widows. He began devouring the scriptures. He was 46, but he felt like a child. He began reading every Christian book he could get his hands on, especially the books of Tertullian. 
Each day, Cyprian said of Tertullian's books, he'd say, hand me the master. Soon he became the bishop over all the churches surrounding Carthage. But behind the scenes, trouble was brewing. In the year 250, the new Roman emperor, Decius, increased his attack on the Christians. And he demanded all citizens offer sacrifices to the gods and obtain a certificate to prove that they had sacrificed to the gods. Thousands of Christians buckled under the pressure. What am I going to do? I still believe in Jesus, kind of, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to get the certificate. And they would buckle under the pressure either by offering sacrifices or by bribing the officials for a, sacri- for a certificate. Well, Cyprian refused to obey and fled from Carthage to save his life. And he continued to guide his flock from afar. And as the persecution died down, a question arose in the church. What should happen to those that left the faith but still consider themselves Christians and now want to return to the church? Are you with me? So here you have this whole group of people who buckled under the pressure and they left the church and they sacrificed and they had the certificate and then when the pressure died down they said it's safe, I'm back. And people started asking what do we do with these people? Those who fell away under persecution were known as (laughs) lapsed. And Christians that stood fast were called confessors. Well, Cyprian called a council together as Pastor Seth mentioned about the council in Jerusalem. They gathered a council together in Carthage in the year 251 to decide what should happen with the lapsed. And the ruling was that restoration to the church should not be easy. Those that purchased certificates but did not sacrifice could return after a period of obvious visible repentance. The repentant that sacrificed to the gods would only be readmitted on their deathbeds or by proving their faith during another wave of persecution. I mean, contrast that till today. Like, are you sorry? Come on. And of course, those that sacrificed but did not repent would never be readmitted. Cyprian wrote this. Believe me, good men cannot leave the church. The wind does not carry off the grain. The storm does not bring down the tree with strong roots. It is the empty husks that are tossed away by the tempest. The feeble trees that are thrown down 
by the hurricane. In 257, under the Emperor Valerian, more persecution came. The first person, well, we'll say this. When Cyprian refused to recant or give the names of the pastors under his care, he was banished from Carthage. And when he returned the next year, the authorities condemned him to be beheaded for refusing to forsake the Lord Jesus Christ. When the sentence of death was given to him, he said, Thanks be to God. He then knelt in prayer, covered his eyes with a bandage, handed the executioner a golden coin, and died with the dignity and calm of a hero. Turn your Bibles to Mark 4. Mark 4. Mark 4 describes four kinds of people. You can write these down quickly. The first person is found in verse 15. This person rejects Christ immediately. The second person is found in verses 16 and 17. This person happily follows Jesus for a while, but then leaves the faith because of persecution. The third person is similar to the second person. He's found in verses 18 and 19. At first he follows Jesus with joy, but then forsakes Christ for the riches of the world. The fourth person is whom we want to be like. The fourth person hears the word, receives it, and bears fruit. Verse 20. He is the only true Christian. And by the way, we're not saying all true Christians are giants. They bear different levels of fruit, right? Some 60, some 100. We're not all the same maturity. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all struggle. There's all rebellion in our hearts. All of us have rebellion in our hearts at times. But a true Christian has been changed from the inside. And a true Christian perseveres. Faithful is he who calls you. Who also will do it. This story teaches us three truths about Perseverance. Let me just briefly give you three little hooks to hang your coat on. First, false professors of Christ should not surprise the church. The laughs, those who left the church, we should not be surprised by that. Jesus warned us that many would follow him for a while but then fall away. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It shouldn't be surprising. Second, all true Christians persevere in their faith in word and deed. The fourth person didn't just speak the word. He didn't just say, Lord, Lord, like Matthew 7, verse 21. True believers prove their faith 
by bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And then third, true Christians that persevere will still sin. Believers are not perfect. Believers fail. Christians are not equally mature. Some bear 30-fold, others 100-fold. Christians are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. They prove their faith by persevering. Now, who's the greatest example of perseverance? Who's the hero of everything? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, originally the word martyr meant witness. Because so many that witnessed for Jesus Christ died for their faith, they became known as martyrs. In Revelation 1 verse 5, Jesus is called the faithful witness. The faithful martyr. This means he always speaks the truth no matter the trial and no matter the temptation. You can always trust Jesus Christ and his word. And he not only persevered in that he never sinned, but he also helps Christians to persevere. Philippians 1 verse 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion At the day of Jesus Christ.